Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recording live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram at Coach Bo Knows Show is our handle. Check out the Facebook page and search for Coach Bo Knows Show. It'll be the first thing that comes up. And you can email us at CoachBoNosShow at gmail.com. Hey, this is episode 47, little Coach Bo rants today. Uh, we're going to go heavy on the baseball content today. Is You know, we're here mid-July, and I'm recording this Sunday night, the 17th. Uh, you know, we don't have any football, no basketball being played. You know, hockey's obviously done. So really, we've got, you know, we've got golf, and we got baseball. And baseball's now at the All-Star break. So it's a good time to kind of catch up on baseball and kind of get a look at where we've been for the first half of the season and where we're going in the second half of the season. Uh, I'm going to get into a few things tonight and uh, do a few things here and talk about it and uh, see where we're at. First thing I want to do is I got a couple of emails from some folks and I got a couple of tweets about, hey, you went a little hard on Whit Merrifield on the podcast on Friday. Um, I did hear Whit Merrifield's interview on 610 Radio in Kansas City on Friday. I, I heard what he was saying. In short, Whit Merrifield said, hey, I really didn't understand what the um, what I said and how I said it with words. He mentioned that you know he has the same problem with his wife. Hey, pal, we all do. Um, but he mentioned he kind of he put his foot in his mouth and he apologized that hey he loves Kansas City this is the organization that gave him a chance and he's been happy yada yada yada. I listened to the interview with an idea of hoping that what Mitt Merrifield would say would make me feel better. I kind of did. I kind of felt like yeah he wasn't saying I want to be traded. But I think there's still something to the Whit Merrifield will get the vaccine if he goes to a you know a, 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 a playoff contender, a Yankees, a Boston, a, you know Tampa, wherever. Um, I don't think that he was pushing. Now that I heard that interview, I don't think he was pushing for a trade. But I do think he would accept one, and I do think that he, I think he knows. His days in Kansas City are numbered, whether that's this year or next. Um, I did hear that in his voice and also something he said. Uh, he made it pretty clear that he thought that he probably wasn't going to finish his career with the Royals. Um, I guess I'll give him a little bit of a break. I mean, I guess, you know, fuck wet Merrifield was probably a little too far. But, you know, I saw what Dayton Moore said. He was, he was disgusted. By what Whit Merrifield said, I was disgusted too. You got my live reaction right there on the podcast when I yelled, "You know, fuck you, Whit Merrifield." That was literally the moment I read the quote. It was that was unfiltered. I was in the moment I read that quote, and that was my initial and real feeling. And I do feel that still the thought of him saying. Well, it's a personal choice, but if I go to this other team, I will likely do it. I think that's very two-faced. I think it's very, um, I'm, the best word I could think of is that it's 
it's ignorance. It's saying, well, I have a belief, but my belief can be bought in a way. It's not a true belief. Um, it's it's ill-informed for sure. So I I, I really I, I liked a couple things I heard in the interview. Didn't like a couple of others, but I wanted to get that out there and say, hey, you know, I probably went a little hard, but I still feel the same way that I do not agree with what Merrifield said of, and he stands somewhat behind the idea. He didn't, well, he stands with the idea of if he goes to a contending team and that contending team has to play games in Toronto, that he would get the vaccine. See, to me, that is almost worse because to me, if your opinion is it's a personal decision, I'm not getting the vaccine, that's fine. You have the choice to do that. But don't come back and say, well, if I go over here, let's say it's the Yankees. Let's say it's Houston. Let's say it's uh, Seattle right now is a wild card team. And they say, hey, we need you to get this so you can play in Toronto. And he does it. To me, that's not your beliefs or your personal decision. That's acting in a selfish manner. And I think that in the situation, especially if you say, like Whit Merrifield did on Friday in that interview, of that I do love, love this team. I do care for the people in this team. I love Kansas City is what he said. He said it over and over. I love Kansas City. I love Kansas City. If you did, this wouldn't have been an issue. So I stand behind what I said. Could I have been a little nicer? Absolutely. But I'm not going to apologize for how I feel, and I'm not going to apologize for some of the language. Again, I got that information in the moment, and the reaction you heard from me was absolutely the realest reaction. It was that moment, and I stand behind that. So I hope that uh, anyone whose feathers I may ruffled, well, there's. I told you I wasn't going to give an apology, but I did say I'll tell you how I feel, and that's how I feel. Um, it's a shame because I've always respected Whit Merrifield. I think he's a guy that's, he's a traditional, if you want to talk about traditional guys who pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, a guy who wasn't a highly thought of prospect, a guy who worked his way into the majors, you know, he spent a number of years in the minors. I get it. And I respect that about Whit Merrifield. I don't respect his stance in this way. That's probably the way I can best put it right now. So just, um... FYI, that's just how I feel right now. So first thing first, I wanted to get on with Merrifield right out the gate and go from there. Um, was happy to see the Royals did win on um, Friday night in the series in Toronto, or Thursday night. They lost Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, they lost three out of four against Toronto. But, uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, hopefully they'll, uh, hopefully they'll bounce back. The draft was tonight. I didn't pay much attention. You know, the draft for baseball is a lot different than, than football and basketball. These aren't guys that are going to be immediate impacts. They're guys who are going to be usually three, four, or five years down the road. I do want to shout out uh, Jacob Berry from LSU, who was chosen number six overall to the Miami Marlins. And uh, Drew Jones, who from everything I have seen, is probably the best player in this draft. He's the son of Andrew Jones, uh, went second overall. 
And then Kumar Rocker, who was taken early last year by the Mets in the first round, didn't end up signing with the Mets because of a injury that wasn't disclosed and both sides weren't very comfortable with the situation. He went and played independent ball early this summer, really kicked it, kicked ass at that, and then went number three overall here in the draft tonight here on uh, on Sunday night. So uh, pretty cool to see some of those things. And I was really rooting for Kumar. I actually had seen something as early as, as late as last night saying that Kumar might drop as far as 20 to Boston. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> That's who you see who wins those drafts, especially in baseball, is that the player that falls because of signability and a, a team says, well, we're who we are. We'll take that player and take a chance. So we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to take that top 10 and go at it in five years, 10 years, and take a look at it and say, okay, where are those players now? Because they'll be in that top 10. There'll be two or three superstars. We don't know who they'll be. You know, I mean, you would like to think that um, Jackson Holiday from the Orioles will be, and he was the number one overall pick. You would like to think that he's going to be the guy, but we really don't know at this point, and we're not going to know. You never know in baseball drafts until about five years out if it's going to work or not, So, especially if they take high school players. So, um, Little thoughts there on a couple quick things. Hey, want to send a quick shout-out. You know we have a couple sponsors here on the Coach Bonos podcast, and the first one I want to shout-out is our team over at Gold Belly. Right now, Gold Belly is having their annual ice cream party sale. You can get the 30% off ice cream. they got everything you can imagine, from buckets of ice cream to uh, pints to handmade coast custards to sandwiches, big packs of sandwiches, you know, uh, packs of 18, 16, uh, whatever you can think of, they've got it. And I, it's funny because Friday night I was with my wife, and she, as some of you know who might know my wife, Jen, she, she owns a photo booth company, and a little side gig, and she had to pick up one of her photo booths Friday evening. So she looks at me and she says, you want to get some ice cream? And I said, I'll go with you. Let's go get the photo booth and get some ice cream. I'm not a big, big ice cream guy. I kind of go in phases with it, and I'm kind of in one right now where I'm like, it sounds good. It's 100 degrees outside, so of course at nighttime, a little bit of ice cream sounds great. So um, I want to encourage you to go to Gold Belly. Go to our show notes. In our show notes, you'll see the link. Just follow the link, and you're going to get $25 off of your first $50 order. And right now, again, the annual ice cream party is going right now on Gold Belly. You can still get to the end of the month. Duff Goldman's cake sale is still going on. You can get the 35% off. I actually sent one of those to a client this week. I got the call on Thursday, and they couldn't have been happier. So I, I will tell you from firsthand experience, really cool stuff. If you're a business person and you're thinking about a unique present to give to a client or a prospect, Gold Belly is a great spot to do it. You want to do something special for an office? Oh, my God. Gold Belly is the way to do it. And you can get $25 off your first order by using our, our link in the show notes. We really appreciate it, the opportunity working with them. And we appreciate Gold Belly sponsoring the podcast. Thanks so much to Gold Belly. Give them a shout. 
couple more baseball things I want to jump on here, and I uh, know we're a couple minutes, few minutes in already. Uh, the biggest news baseball-wise over the weekend, not All-Star Game related, is Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals, who I think most of us think is probably, if not the best young player in baseball, certainly one of the top two or three. Um, you know, you can, you know, him, Tatis, Acuna, you can take your choice. I think I like Soto the best as a player of all of them. Uh, he turned down a, reportedly turned down a 15-year contract extension uh, worth $440 million, which is slightly under $30 million a year. It's a big deal. And here's why it's a big deal. Baseball's got some really unique rules with the way arbitration works and everything else. Juan Soto is currently 24 years old. Now, in the last couple of years, a couple of the young guys, uh, last year it was Fernando Tatis. Uh, we've seen it with Bryce Harper and a couple of others who were arbitration eligible. Not really in Bryce Harper's case, but uh, it certainly did happen with Tatis. Uh, this goes back, really the first one that I can recall was Evan Longoria doing this about 10 years ago, where players made a deal to kind of give up those arbitration years and in return, the team gave them more money in those first couple of years of their contract. So, for instance, a Juan Soto is going to make six or eight million dollars for each of the next two years. The last year of arbitration, he might make twenty million. It's going to be compared to you know the similar people at his age in similar contracts. Um, but you took one year at a time. And after that last year, the second year of arbitration, a player becomes a free agent. Teams realize that given a 10-year-plus contract to a player who's maybe 30 is really tough to do. What you're really paying for at the end of the contract, when they're 38, 39, 40, is thank you money for what they did in their early 30s or their 20s, even before that contract. The biggest example is Albert Pujols, who is finishing his long, big, long contract right now. This is his last season of his big $300-plus-million-dollar contract that he signed 10 years ago. And, you know, he's not worth the th almost $30 million he's making this year, but he signed that deal with the Angels because the Angels knew at the time they were maybe underpaying him at the front, but that's what she kind of had to do was pay him in the back. So what teams figured out was they said, hey, let's pay these guys or offer to pay these guys more than they will ever get in arbitration, sometimes twice as much. And let's see if we can buy the arbitration years, and in return, we'll give them extra years on the backside. So a player like Soto, Soto's 24 years old. If Soto were to sign a 15-year contract right now, it is essentially his career contract. I mean, he'd be 39 years old when that contract goes away. Now, if you notice, in football, you don't see these long contracts. There's salary caps, there's other things in there as well. But a big reason you don't see that in football is that the money is negotiated where players' salaries are tied to 50% of all league revenue. 
all league revenue is shared. And so because of that, players know the future values of their contracts are higher. Baseball doesn't have that. They do have a luxury tax for, um, for our salary cap purposes, but they don't have it tied to a set percentage of overall revenue because each team has local TV contracts. So certain teams have higher contracts. For instance, the New York Yankees have a huge contract with the Yes Network. The LA Dodgers have a huge contract with their local um, local TV partner. I forget who it is off the top of my head right now. And so that many millions of dollars can go to the coffers, and those teams can pay more. You know, we live in Kansas City, one of the lowest of the team's local contracts. Uh, it's with Bally Sports, and Bally Sports doesn't pay very well on those. And, and frankly, it's because the Royals don't give uh, great ratings in a large enough market. So you do have the haves and the have-nots. To give you an example, uh, Garrett Cole, pitcher of the Yankees, set a deal two seasons ago um, where he got $36 million a year for nine years. Now, the Kansas City Royals could never afford that. And that contract's not going to be worth a damn come years seven, eight, and nine. Now, if you were in football, you'd be thinking, well, it's okay because we'll have so much more revenue we know that, the, that the, the stakes are getting higher. Baseball, the, the average numbers have kind of flattened. We have seen where Garrett Cole's getting $36 million. I think it is uh, Max Scherzer who's currently getting $43 million over a three-year deal with the Mets. And I think that's sort of the exception to the rule because it is just a three-year deal. Uh, uh, outside of him, Mike Trout has the biggest contract in baseball 12 years at $36 million a year. This one with Soto would put him somewhere in the 12 to 16 range as far as where he'd be per year. And it is security over 15 years. And we are seeing some of these contracts have been longer than what you would think. You would think that a guy like Juan Soto would say, hey, I'm 24. How about I sign a seven-year deal? And then I'll try to sign a second deal at 31. Maybe there'll be more money out there for me. But we've seen that baseball's not getting a lot more money. They're actually getting a little bit less in some places on some of the things that they're, some of their streaming uh, rights, they've actually gone down on. Some of the TV rights came down a little bit because of ratings. And then you have some local, some local teams that aren't going to do well and some that are. So it's a big risk, Soto, turning it down. But I do think we'll see either the Nationals make a deal with Soto at a 10-year contract where that escalator, instead of being $29 million, is more like 35 or $36. Um, there's talk that this, the Nationals are going to try to trade Juan Soto. He would have a very, very high trade value right now because he does have two years of arbitration. So it would be interesting to see who would make a trade for him. Uh, it's not going to take players off just off your roster now. It's going to take two or three of your best prospects plus one or two of your best players now. You know, a team like, you know, my team is the Boston Red Sox. They would probably have to trade Xander Bogarts in three or four prospects to get Juan Soto.
as a Red Sox fan, I don't want that. I want to see Bogarts here for five more years. I want to see Devers get a 10-year contract, and I want to see those young prospects come up. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I think Soto will clear would, would carry a very, very high price tag, and I'm not sure that anybody has that. I will say I think one team has the prospects um, or the team that could do it, but they're not a franchise right now that's contending, and I'm not sure they would want to do it. But I think it's the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates could make a deal where they could put O'Neill Cruz and Cabrian Hayes uh, in a deal together. That's the two best players on that roster right now. Maybe you include three best minor leaguers. But I don't. That's not a team that can afford to then re-sign Soto to a twelve or fifteen-year deal. They don't have a great local TV contract, and they're not competing right now. If Soto gets traded this season, it's going to be to a major contender, the Yankees. Um, let me look here. I would. If I'm, I guess I'm throwing names to the Yankees. I don't think it would be the Dodgers. Simply, I don't know where they would play him right now. You know, the Padres or the Giants, I could see getting in. Um, I could also see Milwaukee under the understanding that he's a two-year rental. So that would be interesting. I think, But I think the Yankees and the Mets and maybe the Giants could go in and make that trade. But it's going to cost a lot. And I'm not sure that the Mets would want to do that. The Yankees would have to give up. You know that the Nationals would want uh, Jason Dominguez, the, their number one prospect. Plus, they're going to want a couple guys on the roster now. Probably Gleyber Torres, a couple of others. It'd be difficult. So I, I'm going to keep my eyes on that. I think it's something to take a look at. You know, is a team willing to trade a whole bunch for either a two-year rental or... Are they willing to make a deal and get the extension done immediately? I mean, you'd have to be ready with an extension if you're a team trading for Juan Soto. So I'm going to keep an eye on that. I want you guys to keep an eye on that, too. That'll be interesting in the next couple of months. So when you hear $440 million for 15 years, kind of think about that. It's a little different in baseball than it is in football. I will note, of the biggest five or six contracts I was looking at here recently, um, I'm looking at Mike Trout, um, Bryce Harper, Kyle Seager has passed off season. Mookie Betts got an extension during the season last year. All of those were 10 years or more. Um, Trout and Betts were 12. Harper was 13 years. So I find it kind of interesting that a lot of those guys locked up that long, but they are all four or five years older than Juan Soto. Those guys are all around 30. I think Trout's actually 31 now. So kind of interesting to see what happens in that point. So next thing I want to talk about, you know, we're at the All-Star break. And uh, this is, to me, the All-Star break is sort of the halfway point of the season. And you will have some festivities. The All-Star game is Tuesday. The All-Star game doesn't really have like the cachet it did like when I was a boy. You know, it, it's, it's fun. You get to see lots of different players all in one place. It's exciting. I think it was a little different when you couldn't see everybody. We kind of talked about this on Friday's pod. It was a little different when you could see, could not see every team so easily. 
like you can on the MLB TV or the different streaming services to catch this team or that team, or just on TV, you know, with Fox and ESPN and everything else. So I think that's kind of lost some of its cachet. It's not really the midsummer classic anymore, uh, but it is fun to see all those players and to check that out. I do think the better event is actually Monday night, uh, when you hear this on Monday, and that's Home Run Derby. Um, I think this year they loaded it up with some really good talent. Uh, they do it in a versus format where you're going to have four matchups. Uh, the first one is Kyle Schwarber of the Reds, who is second in the majors in home runs against the 40-year-old Albert Pujols, 41-year-old Albert Pujols. So happy Pujols is going to do this one more time. I think it's really cool. Um, you got Juan Soto, who we just talked a lot about and is an exciting young player, against Jose Ramirez, who I think is a guy that could be a future Hall of Famer. This guy is phenomenal, but people aren't able to watch him because he plays in Cleveland. Uh, a big guy, and he can slug him. Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners, who's sort of the youngest of the young bloods in this. I think he's only 21 um, and is having a phenomenal season uh, with Seattle. A big reason why Seattle is actually in the, in the wild card position right now. And I'm a big fan. I've really enjoyed what I've seen with him so far. Uh, he's having a great season. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal player. Uh, let's see here. He is going to be up against Kyle against Corey Seager of the Rangers. I'm not a big Corey Seager guy. I know that a lot of people are. He's just not my cup of tea. I think he's a fine player. I think he got overpaid pretty big, but uh, it just kind of is what it is. He's, to me, the weak part of this, uh, but you never know that weak part can win it. I mean, he's a, he's a good boy. He's a great player. Um, the last one is the one I think everybody's going to want to see. we got the two-time defending home run derby champion in Pete Alonzo, who I'm picking, by the way. I am picking Alonzo. I'm going to use my Mike Trout rule on Pete Alonzo. Until he doesn't win it, I'm going to keep picking him. But he's got some stiff competition in round one, and that is Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Braves. Acuna is one of those three guys with uh, Soto and Fernando Tatis of the Padres, I think are the three most exciting players in baseball. I think Acuna, he's got a ton of swag. He plays. He's a, he's a real athlete. He's not just a baseball player. He's an athlete, and he he has his swag and style about him. I really like the guy. I think he is what Major League Baseball should be looking at. I think it's really cool that they've taken some of these young guys in this, between Acuna and Rodriguez and Soto. Um, I think that'll help highlight what Major League Baseball really is moving to. So Acuna and Alonzo. If Alonzo loses to Acuna, I'll take Acuna the rest of the way. But um, I'm picking Alonzo until he loses. Um, I like the polar bear. I know he's a Met, and I don't really like Mets players for the most part. But he's earned my respect over the last few years. I am a fan. I think he's a great player. And he is fun to watch at Home Run Derby. Last year, he was just cruising along and just vibing to the music. I turned the music way up in the ballpark, and he's and he's just slamming home runs like it's nothing. And uh, I think it'll be cool to watch. I think there's nobody here that wouldn't be fun to see win it. Um, I'd love to see Pujols win, kind of an old-school guy. So let's see what happens. But uh, keep an eye on, if, you, if you're someone who doesn't watch a lot of baseball, if you're watching Home Run Derby, 
or if you're a baseball parent and you want to tell somebody you're watching Home Run Derby with to watch this player as a future star, Soto, Acuna, Julio Rodriguez, these are three of the biggest stars in baseball today and are going to be for the next decade. Julio Rodriguez draws a lot of Ken Griffey Jr. comparisons, not just because they both play in Seattle, but they're but he is a great, great, great athlete. Ronald Acuna, I don't think I've ever seen anyone quite like him in baseball. And Soto, I think, is the best young hitter in baseball. I think that Soto has a chance to be a upper-level Hall of Fame hitter. And he has all the athleticism to go with it. So enjoy it. If you, even if you don't see the game on Tuesday, make a point of watching Home Run Derby on Monday. I want to get a shout-out to our other great sponsor, and that is DoorDash. So DoorDash has got a little special running with us right now. If you've never used DoorDash before, I don't know how you have it, but if you haven't, click on our show notes. There's a link in there, and you can get $10 off on your next or your first three orders on DoorDash. This is only for new DoorDash customers. Now, look, here's the cheat code, folks. You got a DoorDash, you've used it before, sign up again, use a different email address, different phone number, whatever it is, you can still get the discount. All right, there you go. Now look, why is DoorDash cool? Because sometimes you're just too damn tired to cook. Maybe you got home from work late. Maybe you're just tired. You don't want to go through the drive-thru. You don't want to just, you know, sit there and eat left leftovers. You can get all your great local restaurants delivered directly to your home. There's always something there, always something open. If they're open, you can get it, even your late-night cravings. It's there. Check out DoorDash. I use it when I travel. You know, we all get that one night where you're gone somewhere for three or four or five days, and that one night where you go, hey, I'm tired. I've been in a conference all day. I've been in meetings all day. I just want to put my feet up eat some food, and watch TV. DoorDash is perfect. I use it all the time. I just used it in Chicago a couple weekends ago. I use it here at the office at least once or twice a month. Check out DoorDash. We want to thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And don't forget, new customers at DoorDash get $10 off each of their first three orders at DoorDash. All right, a couple little things here. I was reading an interesting article at ESPN.com this morning, and it's talking about the team, the guys on the All-Star team this year on the Major League, both the American and National League All-Star teams, and saying, who's going to be the Hall of Famers? And we go back and look at this, and I liken it to, you know, I grew up, I was born in the mid-70s, 1975. And when I was a 10, 12-year-old boy, first getting into watching baseball, I would watch and you go, okay, well, who were the guys that were like the, the, the Hall of Famers my dad talks about? My dad talked about Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays and Hank Aaron. And then in my years as a teen, it was George Brett and Mike Schmidt and Nolan Ryan and those sort of things. Well, now we're looking at the All-Star team and you go, who is this generation's Hall of Famers? Who are the guys that every single year they're in the All-Star game? So 
I thought it was a great article on ESPN.com, and it kind of took it took the entire All Star team, and it said, "Hey, where are they at?" And they built it into tiers. Uh, the first tier, this was the these guys are first ballot, no, you know, no doubt. Here we go, and those they had three names on there. Uh, those three names were Mike Trout, Albert Pujols, Clayton Kershaw. Absolutely. Those three guys are no-brainer, first ballot, Hall of Famers. It then had the very, they called them tier two, very little doubters. Now, I'll be honest, neither of these two are very little doubters to me. These guys are both, no doubt, first ballot guys to me. And that's Miguel Cabrera and Justin Verlander. By the way, shout out to Major League Baseball for the commissioner putting Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera on the All-Star teams. Pujols, the National League team, obviously the Cardinals, Cabrera with the Tigers, and letting them go out and have some shine in their last seasons. They have been two of the all-time greats. No doubt, first ballot home, Hall of Famers. Both have, been, both have been MVPs. Cabrera won a triple crown. Pujols is in the top five in home runs and RBIs and total bases. And Cabrera's got 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. Um, you know, these are two guys that are just no doubt. We'll see them in Cooperstown. And they have been special to baseball. And they've also, frankly, been special because they mark the, I don't want to call it the legitimacy, but it, it might be the best word. Of the Dominican and uh, South American, uh, Central American players, the, the the those players who've come in and they've said, "Hey, these guys are real and they're great." And you know, Big Poppy David Ortiz, you know, is obviously obviously a Dominican guy who's going in the Hall of Fame this year. I was the I was at the Hall of Fame three years ago when uh, Vladimir Guerrero got in, which was an incredible experience. Uh, the Dominicans showed up in a big way, and that was so much fun. It shows where baseball is. It is America's sport, and how we have expanded America's sport to include every ethnicity and to legitimize every ethnicity and to make everyone feel comfortable that they can look at that and some small child can look at it and say, that guy is like me. That's who I can be. Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera are two of those guys who young Latin players can look up to, young Latin little boys or little girls can look up to and say, that is a role model. So shout out to the commissioner for putting them both in the All-Star game. I hope they both get huge ovations because they deserve them. Um, Back to the list, they called uh, here, uh, Tier 3 was on the right track. They had six guys here. Uh, of the current All-Stars, and one I thought was left off this list, but the six guys they put were Mookie Betts, uh, Manny Machado, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, Bryce Harper, Jose Ramirez. I think uh, Ramirez is still a little bit uh, not quite there yet. That's only because of age. And if he stays where he's at now, in three or four years, Jose Ramirez may become just a, a knockout Hall of Famer. The other guys, Mookie Betts is a Hall of Famer. 
don't think there's any question. He may be next to Mike Trout, the best player in this generation. Uh, Manny Machado, I think, is most likely a Hall of Famer. Nolan Arenado, I think, is a Hall of Famer. I think he is a guy who is the best third baseman in baseball since George Brett. And I think he's one of the top four or five of all time. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, I think, is just woefully, woefully underrated. This guy is one of the best five hitters of the last 20 years. Yeah, I said that. He's one of the best five hitters of the last 20 years. And he is woefully underrated. And it's because he played in Arizona for so many years. And now he plays in St. Louis where you got four Hall of Famers on the roster. And he does not get that shine because he doesn't play in New York or L.A. You know, those kind of places. Um, but I do think he's a big part of it and going to be a Hall of Famer. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's the first of the really exciting players. Um, if you want to talk about guys who have swag, Bryce Harper brings that. Uh, it, he's Bryce Harper is the Eminem of Major League Baseball. He's the white guy who has swag like other ethnic, ethnic guys and just is a monster. He's one of the best all-around players I've ever seen. When he's done, I mean, he's still got, what, 10 more years? He's going to have some numbers that are going to be Willie Mays-esque when it's all said and done. Um, and I talked about Jose Ramirez. Like, I think he's a little bit, when they looked at the on the right track, they did a Hall of Fame probability, and they had him at like 54%. It's a little premature right now, but I do think he's going to be up there. The last tier I'm talking about is Tier 4, because there's one guy in here I think should already be up in Tier 3, and that's Jose Altuve. I'm going to get grief for that. I know I'm going to get grief for that. Yankee fans, suck it up, Buttercup. Jose Altuve has been the best second baseman in baseball for the last generation. And there is the sign-stealing stuff, and you know he was a part of that, and people will say that he's a cheater. That guy's still putting up numbers. He's only 32 years old. He's still got five or six years left in him. And I suspect that, I mean, he's got a 47 career war. To give you an idea, wins above replacement 47. His higher than Bryce Harper. It's just below Machado and Arenado. It's six higher than Ramirez. Um, this guy is phenomenal. And he is going to be a Hall of Famer. So I would move him up a tier. I know some people just don't like Jose Altuve because of the, the Astros cheating scandal. But what's funny is it's mostly Yankee fans, and the Yankees were cheating too. But no one's talking about that. The Yankees were also cheating. Some of the other guys on here, Soto, um, Acuna, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Rafael Devers from the Red Sox, Aaron Judge of the Yankees. Um, where am I at here? Giancarlo Stanton of the Yankees. Now, first off, I don't think Giancarlo Stanton should be an all-star. I just don't. I think he was the worst choice of every of both teams. Um, of those guys, again, they're young. We don't know what's going to be great. I suspect that Stanton's the guy who falls off that list pretty good. Uh, the reason being is that, yeah, he's got a lot of home runs, but he's 32 years old now. We're going to see him sharply decline over the next two to three years. I mean, he's going to be, he's different than a Pujols, who was also a great hitter. I mean, Pujols hit 500-plus, or almost 600-plus home runs. And, and Stanton's never coming close to that. 
even though he's you know he's had health issues over the years. The guy's always getting hurt, and he's a wicked game changer when he hits one of those monster home runs. He hit the hardest ball I've ever seen in person. I was at Fenway Park a couple of years ago. I saw Stanton hit on the way up the banner on top of the green monster. It's actually across the street. And he hit that sucker going up. It was a shot. But he strikes out way too much. He's a defensive liability. And he's never had to do it or never been able to do it on a big stage. Another difference between him and like a David Ortiz, Big Poppy. Um, of those guys, I love Soto. I think Soto's a great young player. Xander Bogarts is a guy who I'm a Red Sox fan. I think he's a great player. Probably not going to be a Hall of Famer, but he is, um, for that team, he is a big part of what the Red Sox are doing. I hope they re-sign him. I talked about Acuna already. And we talked about Home Run Derby. I think he's pretty incredible. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has a chance to be better than his father. Uh, maybe not all around. His father had a a cannon for an arm and was a better defensive player. But I think Vlad Jr. is a better hitter. And he has a better pitch selection than his dad. I, I laugh because Vlad Sr. had a terrible pitch selection but could hit a ball off the ground over the, over the fence. Uh, Raphael Devers, I think if he can stay, if he stays healthy, has a productive career, he's only 25 now, he's in that class with Soto and Acuna and those guys and could really be a future Hall of Famer. And then Aaron Judge is 30. And I think that a big part of it with Aaron Judge is that he's a Yankee. He does get to play in that bandbox of a ballpark there in New York. Uh, but when he hits home runs, they're legit home runs. Not like the shit Matt Carpenter did this weekend. Uh, yeah, I was watching that. I got, I got lit up on Twitter about that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, Aaron Judge has got a chance to be something. His defensive play has gotten drastically better in the past two or three years. It'll be interesting to see what the Yankees do about signing him. He's going to be a free agent, and he's turned down a couple of offers from the Yankees. I do think they work that out in the end. Uh, I think Yankee fans are going to be pissed if the only Aaron in the dugout next year is going to be Aaron Hicks and Aaron Boone. Um, but I... I think Judge is a great player, and I probably would be a big fan of his if he didn't play for the Yankees. But he's a Yankee. I'm a Red Sox fan, so fuck him. <laughs> but what I will say, there's no cheap home runs with Aaron Judge. So um, that's sort of the, the Hall of Fame piece. I love that article. If you get a chance, read it. It's on ESPN.com. They do have you know the rest of the guys kind of in a work left to do. Um, category here. The one that I will talk about real quick, actually two I'll talk about real quick. Obviously, Shohei Otani, who's 27. He was the MVP last year. Right now, he's my midseason MVP. I know people are thinking it's Judge. I get it. Otani, to me, is the MVP right now in the American League. And if it wasn't Otani, to me, it'd be Jordan Alvarez of the Astros. I would have Judge third, actually. And it's close. I mean, they're all great. Um... But those are the two guys. And Alvarez is 25. He just signed a big contract this past week, a 10-year deal. Gave away a couple of his um, uh, arbitration years to get paid now. So that's kind of cool. And uh, I think those two guys are two guys that if you look in three years from now, they'll go straight from Tier 5 possibly to Tier 3. 
uh, as they call it here, on the right track. So um, I do think those are special, special players. I don't know if we'll see Otani do the pitching and hitting thing like he did last year in the All-Star game. I think it was a special deal last year. I think this year they'll have to do one or the other. My guess is that he hits and does not pitch. Um, and frankly, if I were the Angels, I would be telling him not to pitch in that game. Uh, we're seeing that already, too. We've seen, I think, three or four pitchers this week who have, this last, tuple, last 24 hours, who have stepped away from playing in the All-Star game. They'll still be at the festivities, but because of the pitching schedules, they won't pitch in the game. And we've seen some others uh, come on, and I'll talk a little about that later in the week. So, yeah, just a couple I wanted to touch on there at the end. Um, yeah, so a lot of stuff going on there. Last thing, this is a non-sports piece here. I'm not going to give you politics today. Um, if you know me, you know my favorite genre of movies. I love mob movies. I love mob movies. I love things about the mafia. I watch a lot of those documentaries, the A&E stuff. Just, I'm a weirdo about that. And in the last two weeks, we have lost, from the film and TV side, two big names in the uh, mafia movie, mafia TV show kind of thing. Uh, I was a big fan of The Sopranos. I'm a big fan. My favorite movie is Goodfellas. I love the Godfather movies. Uh, we lost James Caan back on the 6th. And if you know James Caan, the actor, he was Sonny Corleone on the, on the, God, the Godfather. Uh, the Godfather is one of my favorite movies as well. And uh, he is so great as that character. Been in a number of great movies. Brian's Song is one of my favorite two or three top sports movies of all time. He played Brian Piccolo in that movie. Was incredible. I dare any grown man to watch Brian's Song and not cry at the end. It is one of the few movies that I have cried to. Um, you know, 82 years old, I always like to say when someone passes, I hear how old they are, and I go, hey, that's a pretty good run. 82 is a pretty good run, and I think James Conn is someone who really did live his life in a great way to, you know, he got to enjoy his life, do some really great things. We should all be so lucky. So uh, rest in peace, uh, James Conn. And then last week, we lost Tony Sirico from the, from the, from the Sopranos. If you're my age, The Sopranos was the TV show that kind of changed how you watch TV. It was the first outside of The Wire, and The Wire was nowhere near as popular as The Sopranos. Just as good, but not as popular. It was the first show where you could really, they could cuss, they could kill people. And you could do it, you could have violence in a way that was more realistic because it was HBO. It wasn't, you know, CBS or ABC, the networks. And the acting was incredible across the board. James Gandolfini, you know, went from being kind of a, a bit part guy in a lot of movies and a fine actor to being uh, an actor who is thought of in a much higher echelon because of his portrayal of Tony Soprano. Tony Sirico is a great story. Um, he played Polly Walnuts, Polly Gutierrez, on the uh, on the show, and was my favorite character. Polly Walnuts is by far my favorite character in The Sopranos. To this day, I still quote, you know, you know, you've been fucking around, you know, or um, just you know, little things, you know, just some of the short little things that he would say that were hilarious, you know, just. Uh, 
you know, one of them where he finds out that his mother is actually his aunt and his mother was who he thought was his aunt. And, you know, she was a nun and there was something with that. And so he's talking to somebody. He's leaving the hospital and they say, hey, you're a friend of Tony's. He goes, yeah. He said, how's he doing? And he says, better than fucking nuns you got upstairs. You know, shit like that that was just made Tony Sirico hysterical. What's also great is he was a wise guy. He, he was a guy who had been in, I don't know if he was a, a maid, I don't think he was a maid guy in the mafia, but he was sort of one of those guys, like a wise guy, and uh, went to prison for a number of years, got out, and he started acting. He was in Goodfellas. He was, people don't know that. He was. He was in Goodfellas. Um, he was in a few other movies, got the Sopranos, and became just, they wrote that part for him. He originally had auditioned for the um, the Sal role, the with the uh, um, big pussy as they called him on the show. He actually originally had uh, auditioned for that role, and when he did the audition, the uh, producers said, "We got something here," and they decided to create the Polly Walnuts character based upon Tardy Sirico. So. Um, rest in peace, 79 years old. This is a guy who looks like he just enjoyed life to its fullest. I think that's so important. You know, I think we get away from, and I had a great conversation with somebody this past week, early in the week. You know who you are, you're listening, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we talked about how we get caught up in life, and Ricardo and I, Ricardo and I talked about this on Friday. We get caught up in life and all the happenings and the obligations that we have. Sometimes we don't just enjoy it. And so when you see a celebrity pass away, I always kind of think that. Do they really enjoy it? It's, it's, it's life gifted to them. Athletes or, you know, politicians, whoever it was, someone famous. Did you make the use of it? Did you help others? And did you get joy? Did you give joy and get joy? And I think that's so, so important. Um, I think that we all need to take a lesson from these people and say, not only will I give joy to others, you know, our spouses, our families, our children, whatever that might be, but we'll also take moments for ourselves. You know, we're not promised celebrity. We're not promised wealth. So take those moments and enjoy them. And um, that's kind of what I was thinking earlier in the week. A couple of other things had come up and was thinking about some things. And that, those two guys passing away and thinking about that. And I went, wow, yeah, you got to think that way. Usually when I hear of someone's passing, I always ask, how old were they? And if I hear 80 plus, I'm like, you know what? It's a pretty good run. I'm going to turn 47 later this year. And... The last maybe two years were the first time I've ever thought about where am I, am I closer to the end than I am the beginning? I most likely am. I don't know if it's two years away, if it's 25 years away. It could be 40 years away. I don't know. I know the likelihood at 46 years old, almost 47, is that I'm not going to see 47 more. So I think, well, if I could trade, if I can make a deal with God or whatever higher being you believe in, and you could say, well, my son, 
you can have till this number or take your chances. If you give me 80, I would consider taking the deal and a take in a deal or no deal kind of thing. You give me under 80, I kind of go, well, I'll take my chances. So I think of it that way. I uh, I know it's kind of strange, a little morbid. I know that, but it's kind of how I think of things. I have to deal with that a lot with work and how I do some things with work. And unfortunately, in my profession, we deal with death a lot. So I do think, you know, when someone passes, I think about how old were they and is that a good run? Do they enjoy that life? So keep that in mind this week. You know, we talk a little sports here. We talk about, you know, Ricardo and I are talking about friendships and family and all that earlier in the week. I really encourage you, if you're listening this week, think about are you giving joy and are you getting joy? Because both are so important. And... I think we all have an obligation to leave this place better than we found it. But we also have the obligation to ourselves to enjoy the time we have here. So keep that in mind. Hey, with that, I'm going to jump up out of here. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you had a great week. A little update. Uh, Ellen will be back for the point five this week. She did have her ACL surgery. I just was texting with her earlier today. Her recovery is going spectacular. We're going to be in person uh, next week. So her and I will record our normal podcast, and that will be out on Friday. I will then be in Denver for a week with some work-related stuff for a conference. And we're going to have a uh, Uncle Rico, Ellen, and I all together uh, for a podcast next week. We may do a special shout-out. I don't know quite yet, but we're working on some details there. Also, if you listen to the Jones Report, um, I will not be on the Jones Report the next two weeks. I know Tyler's taking a week off this week. And in the following week, because of my conference, I won't be able to do my normal spot with he and Tom Bridges. But uh, definitely check that out. Uh, Check them out. They do some good work over there. It's a lot of fun. And uh, definitely check out his podcast, The Jones Report. Also, I want you to check out the Bevo Boys, um, the podcast here on the Studio Subbox Network. Uh, that is uh, Joe Scanlon at Creighton Branch. They're talking about all things uh, University of Texas, uh, whether that's football or baseball or anything. Uh, they are super, super pumped because of Arch Manning and everything going on there. So give them a shot if you're a Texas fan. And if not, just go because they drink a few beers when they're recorded and they do have a lot of fun. And then the other podcast I want you to give a shout out to is Raw Tools with Luke Slaybaugh here on Studio Soapbox. I think Luke has the best podcast on our network right now. That dude is so good at what he's doing. And Raw Tools, he has some great, great guests. He's thoughtful. He's incitive. And just a really great knowledge of all sports. Check him out. Anywhere you get this podcast, you can also get their podcast. So check those out. I want to say my thanks to Tyler Jones and everybody in Studio Soapbox for all you guys do behind the scenes. Most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Don't forget about our um, ads with Goldbelly and with DoorDash. You f- don't forget, you get a discount. Use our c- links in the show notes. $25 off your first $50 order from Goldbelly. $10 off your first three orders from DoorDash. So help them out. It helps us out quite a bit as well. 
Don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, we appreciate every five-star rating. So until Friday, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Have a great week. Remember, your time tokens are non-refundable, and if you're in Kansas, don't forget to vote no on August the 2nd. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend, everybody.